Hello, Teresa. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Love, oh, I love your robot. Say, um, it's a skeleton from the Day of the Dead in Mexico that belonged to a friend of mine who is in fact dead. So, uh, and my wife just got fed up with it being in the lounge, so it's ended up just today I, in my I can office. Relate. Tell her I relate. It's just arrived, so now it's part of my office instead, which is where all the, the quirky things end up. Yeah. Sorry about the delay. There was a reason. Um, I was talking to Eamon Holmes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I can talk about that in the uh, conversation as you like. It's all part of my mission to mainstream spirituality, but... Um, yeah. Well, well, well. Why don't we say we've started and um, tell me about what's just happened because it's just fresh. Um, well, um, there's a new podcast um, going into people's dreams, and you know I'm the, the dream lady, written encyclopedias and dictionaries, and um, I will be talking to celebrities. They will give me a dream, and we are going to. To talk about it's a way to get them to, to know them from the inside out and i, I feel very honored to have been asked and um wow this morning we recorded with eamon holmes who was delightful <laughs> absolutely delightful and uh, he had a football-based dream but i won't reveal any more and uh we talked all about the implications of that is the, the, the importance of the dream life what dreams are why we have them wonderful yeah <laughs> I, I had a, I had a, it was kind of football related, I guess. I had a dream, this is a few years back now, which always fascinated me, when I was talking to Alex Ferguson and then he turned into Carl Jung, which I thought was... <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, what you do is your football, isn't it? Football is like, you know, I wonder, how, I guess loads of men dream of football. It's sort of the archetypal masculinity, isn't it? You know, competition, uh, teamwork, but also personal skills, all that. All, you know, so I think, um, oh, okay, we can talk about your dreams, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're endlessly fascinating. Well, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we can. Oh, I'm all steaming up. These, I've got some glasses a year ago, and they always steam up. Oh, um, in the pandemic, you see everybody's dreaming so much more because of... Yeah. Schedules are all over the place. We're worried yeah. and stressed, and dreams are like an internal therapist trying to help us make sense of this sea of emotion and chaos in our lives. Yeah. Dreams are very helpful, and I'm trying to educate people to, to not dismiss dreams as random and meaningless, but they're actually your unconscious trying to talk to you in the only way it knows how, which is the language of symbols. Um, and I'm making it my mission to uh, get everybody to take dreams seriously and give them the respect they deserve. Fantastic. Cool. All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to get back to dreams because that's where we've started. And sorry, hallelujah just, for that. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were recording, Tim. That's naughty. No, not um, at all. <laughs> I, I, I always hit record straight away now because it's like the whole the whole thing for me is that, look, we're is, you know, is that is, is I, I'm I, you know, I don't know if this is a podcast or what it is. is you know, I didn't know that. That's cruel. So as soon as the guest comes on, they're on. Well, they're on. I, I, not necessarily. If people say things they don't want to be public, I don't, I don't put them out. And <laughs> I just I just hit record straight away because it feels like there's a lovely moment where you say hello to somebody for real. Yes. And yeah. um, and the whole idea for this. Not even my camera pose, you know, I would have come. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Uh, <laughs> is is to capture, uh, you yeah. know, Tim and Teresa. 
am actually pain connecting. And freak, I've told you, that's who we are. We're freak and pain. That was very popular when I spoke to you last. <laughs> My theory is that we do what we do to overcome the trauma of our surnames. <laughs> that, that's a I love that theory <laughs> that's great that's great I mean I do I did remember coming across in my 20s this uh, Native American idea I think it is you know that you know, a, a person's life flows from their name like a river from the source and you give them their name and, and I thought yeah Tim Free I, you know if, if only I could I have been called yeah 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 I should have been rich happy person uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, enough. So, um, so yeah, so so um, this the only this is the only bit really I'm going to do out of respect for people who may or may not be listening to this um, outside our conversation and and being part of it from that angle. I just wanted I wanted to say a little bit about how we've ended up having this conversation and then just to re dive back in because we've already started. Um, so uh, I've been on your podcast, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, you invited me to come up. Good. Uh, you, in, you invited me to come on again, which I said yes to. And then I thought afterwards, what a cheeky thing to do, because we're having this conversation before we're recording very shortly for your podcast. And so we're having these two conversations and I've never done that before. So I don't know what that means. Anyway, you very kindly said yes. Um, and the, the reason well, there's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons that I wanted to do it to do this as well. Is, is, and rather than just talk about, you know, my ideas with you and blah, 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 which is I, I'd like to do and I'd like to get your reaction to the ideas I've been exploring. But it also because um, you are uh, involved in, in looking at a lot of ideas which often get dismissed as woo-woo. Mm -hmm. You also have a strong link to... Um, people who are trying to make those, who are exploring those from a scientific perspective. Um, and I just thought, I just wanted to explore with you what the overall, where you'd come to in, in, in terms of what this is, what is life, what is existence? How do you see that? You talk, I mean, I'm particularly interested to discuss things like angels and all sorts of things like that, which are like, where do they sit in a in an understanding of what reality is? How do I think feel about those? I don't know. You know, I need to explore. That. And the other thing which I loved was obviously you, you know you're highly educated. You have a degree from Cambridge. You know that that's so there's a, there's that basis as well. But I think the thing which really I loved the most, Teresa, was listening to you speak. I think it was a talk at Watkins actually or somewhere, and you talked about doubt, and you talked about self doubt about that that looking at oneself and wondering if you'd be mistaken and that's absolutely essential to me and everything I do and my how I live my life so I really liked that so I thought ah this is this could make this could be really fun and interesting so that's the background um and the question I think to start us off is that big one really it's like you know this is happening to us what what do you think it is what's your best guess <laughs> that's ha what's happening to us okay experience learning that's why we're here to experience the good, the bad, the everything. Um, sorry to lower or raise the tone, but I watched over Christmas that Disney movie, Soul. Me Don't too, with the family. Yeah, we all watched that. I think they got it spot on um, why we're here. Because he, the lead character without giving away, thinks he's here to be a musician, to, to, to give music to the world. 
And that is part of his role, but there's so much more than that, that he is underestimated, never seen before. And I love that. And it's now going to be something I'm going to recommend in all my books. You know, my work's done, just go and watch Disney Soul, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because on my podcast, I actually had Lauren Carpenter as a guest who was the co-founder of Pixar and science oh, oh. director at Disney. Right. Um, and I do know that you know, he's now an IONS fellow, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and I do a lot of work with them trying to bring in the science of studying consciousness. So I know that Disney is very interested in these spiritual eternal themes. So to, to go back to your question, which we could talk forever about, um, there's so many nuances. For me, life is experience and you find your meaning and your purpose through that. As long as you're learning, you're living. And that's why I talk about the importance of doubt, because doubt is what drives us to find out the answers, to, to learn, to grow, it pushes us forward. I love my doubt now, I used to hate it, but now I love it because it's a sign, look, you've got complacent, you're in your comfort zone, Teresa, you think you know it all, grow some more, doubt some more. So I hope I never stop doubting. Um, so, so when you say when we, you come we come here, here mm -hmm. what, what does here mean? The material, stuff senses what we sense what we feel what we touch i mean i do believe that there's a spark a spirit an inner angel whatever you want to call it that is infinite and exists independent of our mind and our body independent of our brain i think our consciousness exists independent of our brain that's what i have i believe personally it's my personal belief based on my research i won't force it on anyone else i don't know for sure as i say i could be wrong you know, it could be just when we pass, that's it. I could be wrong. I always say that, but I choose to believe that maybe there is something out there. And anyone who's lost a departed loved one and feels that connection with that person in their heart and in their dreams and in their memories will know that there's a part of us that is infinite, that is all around and death ends a life, not a relationship. And that's what my lifetime of research and writing has been all about delving into that. So, okay, so you mentioned the A word. Let me just go straight there because I'm really, I have a little bit of history myself, um, which I can maybe talk about later. Um, when I was younger around um, that. So, so when, you, when you said an inner angel, what, what do you mean by that word? It's the part of you that knows what's in your highest interest and your, your, that's, one, that's, that's in your highest knows your watch for your highest good the part of you that sees the bigger picture okay beyond okay. this life uh, across time so so that sounds similar to what i mean um, to what in the ancient world with the, the daemon the spirit is mm -hmm. that so do you so do you see it and is that for you is that um is that part of the psyche or is that something beyond the psyche I think it's beyond. I think okay. it's beyond, way beyond. And I think it's it's something a place that we visit in our dreams and our memories. And it's 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 the force. I often talk about the force. <laughs> um, um, I think it's just the force. It's what drives us and pulls us forward. And it's it's evolution. That's what we're here to do. We're here to learn and grow and evolve. Um, and I don't think too deeply about it, Tim. You may be surprised. I just sort of sense it and encourage other people to sense it. So there's a, there's a, there's a, um, I, 
I think I certainly have a very strong sense of there is a part of what I am which is wiser than other parts of what I am and and that idea of connecting to something which is the deepest aspect of oneself I think is a very real and common thing so do you see that do you do you do you see that as um so when you talk about uh, angels, are you seeing that as uh, human beings with this other aspect, or are you seeing it as more than that, or are you seeing it as something which has nothing to do with human beings necessarily, or does it have a form, is no, it an imaginal it's, form? It's a, I think the angels within you, it's all be, of us all being many and one at the same is a huge concept to understand. Yeah. Um, again, to reference that Disney, movie Soul, when the fish goes up to the other fish and says, I want the ocean, which show me the ocean. And that's what people who think that angels have forms are, it's, where's the ocean? There's this something I need to find. And the fish says, well, you're in it. And they said, and the, the other little fish says, well, it's just water. You're already there. It's already infinite. It's already a part of us. Yep. I think we over-intellectualize something that's very simple. And again, I've tried to keep it very simple we just get caught in knots of these intellectual games and you know i've been at cambridge i know all about that just talking and talking and talking and all the time we're missing out on experience and living our life to the full um and i we could have an academic debate but where does that lead us and especially in pandemic times and that's what i've been talking a lot about recently it's not enough to just keep That's talking, true, talking. But it worries me also, Teresa. It, I tell you why it worries me is because I mean I completely agree. Things need to be in, got involved in our actual experience, and 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 you know I went to, I did philosophy at university, and philosophy I suspect was even more abstract than theology. I don't know, maybe not. Yes, yes. maybe not. You know, it's like, but it's it's very removed, 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 and you do event, and it's so far distant. It's like how can I ever come back to my actual life, which is why I left philosophy and and went into retreat to meditate for a year instead. But the the question there's also questions about how do we interpret our experience and and if we're looking at our non-everyday experience if we're looking at our experience that gets called spiritual whatever that word it means but there's that bag of stuff which is around does this is there survival after death can you have is life meaningful in some way you know is all of life meaningful of certain events meaningful all of those kind of questions then how we interpret that doesn't seem abstract to me that feels like like for instance how do we how do we interpret the coronavirus you know I've, i've come across a lot of people you may be one, I don't, so I don't mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not assuming anything, who are saying, you know, oh, look, this is some message, and, and my own feeling is, whoa, careful. Well, no, no, I don't um, think it's a message. You, do you see what I'm like, saying, though? But the, the key thing is, like, how we, these these seemingly abstract things, like, like you know, if you're going to use a word like angels, like, what does that actually mean? Or to, or to you, what does it mean? What, what What's it? It's mean? a part of you that is working towards. It's a part of me. Okay, I've got it a part within you and external to you that is working towards your highest good so nothing to do with nothing to do with um another type of being not in my opinion no i i don't see it that i think i think as it's all as unified and all connected as i said that concept of the force you know i've also worked with yeah hang on but those are two different things aren't they because they're not they're within and without it's 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 no, I mean, I mean the fact that we could we could all be connected, but there could be other types of being in the universe. 
There well could be. I don't know the answers, Tim. But I you're not. But, but the thing I'm trying to home in on is what you mean by it. And you don't mean that. You don't mean archangels and... No. And, There's a mistaken you know. thing about... I mean, I've been called the angel lady because a lot of my books, I've written many books, have angel in the title. Right. If anyone actually reads them, these are a collection of stories, not necessarily of people who've seen winged figures or whatever. Right. A collection of stories of people who have had their lives changed by synchronicity, by the kindness of strangers, by... Right being touched by angels or the force of goodness in different ways. And that's where I'm different from other angel experts out there who, you know, pray to this archangel, pray to that angel. I'm actually not for that at all. It's not. So you're talking about an aspect of ourselves, a deep aspect of ourselves. It's very simple. I mean, people often try to ask me to define it all. And my, my approach to spirituality has got very simple. And as you get older, it's just be kind. It's that simple. Why do we have to complicate it? Just be as kind as you can, treat others as you would be treated yourself. It, it's getting, my, my, life, my books and my works are getting more and more condensed as I get yeah. older. When I was I, younger, I, I, it was all like all these theories and Akashic records and Archangel this and looking into all that. And I just feel now, especially the pandemic has been a huge wake up call. I think I spoke to this to you on my podcast about this. So I just think this is all nonsense. It's not helping anyone. If you want to understand the pandemic better, the way you can understand it better is to go out, you know, we can't go out, but to maybe call someone who's living yeah. on their own, talk to them. In that moment of connection and helping someone, you're doing more good in that moment. And I think that's why we're here to, to have compassion and empathy and to learn and to grow and to experience everything this life has to offer. <laughs> I know this is difficult because we do come from different places. My readers are so different from yours. And that's why I love the fact we're having this debate, Tim. And it's probably my, my why readers are so, because I've written so many different things. It's crazy. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm completely from a different place. And there are probably a lot of your devoted followers, and you have them. I know your podcast was hugely popular. Um, we'll be thinking, this woman's bonkers. She doesn't know what she's doing. I can, I can sense that. But it, it, I have a different approach now and a different um, take on spirituality. I'm really trying to simplify it and mainstream it. And I've been especially disturbed the uh, emergence of gurus, mediums, psychics with alleged powers. I mean, I've played a part in supporting some of them, you know, because I do believe that some people have abilities, but I've got to the point now, well, okay, they've got these ability, let's study them, but these people shouldn't be worshipped or followed and it gets dangerous. Mm. Well, we've only, I mean, we're recording this on the back of a really key day in American history where you see the power of words. I'm getting so conscious of my words because I have a following and what I say, um, the older I get, because it's not funny anymore. You know, people who are claiming to have powers you know, I know people in our movement who have their followers line up to bless them. Mm. What is going on there, Tim? Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's a very old heritage. I mean, you know, spirituality, as we're using the word, I think is quite a new thing, really, in the fact that it, it really has emerged since the decline of religion. Or, I mean, not that religion has declined in terms of numbers, but in terms of influence, it definitely, definitely has. I mean, one of the things which has staggered me, Teresa, is to know in the UK, is I haven't seen a single really religious response to the COVID crisis. 
in the mainstream media. It's all been science. All of it has been science. And I and Boris Johnson's thing. You have, Tim. Yeah, I, I certainly have, because as I said, I've been writing for 25 years. My first book was about 20 years ago. I did some encyclopedias of the psychic world. I've always had my following of people who have interested in that. I've been blessed. I've had two Sunday Times top 10. I've written book after book with most major publishers, you know, features, etc. I have been blessed, but it's a niche. 2020, it took a pandemic. I was contacted by the BBC, Radio 4, Beyond Belief, by five, talked to Five Live, I talked to Cosmopolitan, he, you know, the gamut. And I know why they were reaching out to me, because allegedly it was under the lockdown dreams phenomenon. But what I tried to do by talking to them was show that dreams are the entry point to this invisible, unseen part of our lives. And it continues. As I said, what I was doing just before the podcast is a continuation of this. There is interest in that, and but they're doing it through oh, yeah. things like dreams, for mm. example. That's safe because we can think of dreams, you know, dreams aren't too controversial. And I'm happy to go along with that. I'm happy to interpret dreams. You know, I was on Channel 4 a couple of weeks ago talking to Anton de Beck, Russell Kane, and Catherine Ryan. They all had dreams, they wanted decoding. Mm. What's happening there? Is the mainstream interested in spirituality? Uh, okay, let me clarify. I, I, I'm, I, what I tried, what I meant, the, what, what we haven't seen is a, a, a very powerful religious response. At any other time in history, yes. there would have been, you would have pulled out the bishops, you would have had the, the, a very, the focus for comfort, the comfort for hope would have been religious. Now we have, that's kind of gone into abeyance. We have science, which is looked on as providing the miracles. Absolutely. And we also have this new thing, which is why I say it's quite, you know, this kind of spirituality without religion, which is exploring what this non-material domain and what its nature is and has its roots in religion, but which is now separate from it. And I, I, I just want to say, I completely get what you're saying about trying to, trying to get things clear and simple. In, and and I, I'm totally with that. I also completely get that, uh, that the simplest thing you come down to is usually something like be kind uh, or, you know, love is what matters or whatever, you know, benevolence. And and I, I'm, you know, I'm completely with you, but also there feels like there is necessarily another side to that, which will emerge. And it emerges through your very thing you talked about, which is doubt, which, which goes, it doesn't just, you can't just stop there because what comes, you know, because life is full and complex. So like, for instance, you've talked to today a number of times about dreams. Yes. So how you understand what a dream is, is based on a whole load of, of uh, metaphysical assumptions about the nature of reality. And how you respond to, I just had a dream, isn't just given, it's how we understand it. And therefore, all those questions will necessarily arise. And we're forced to go beyond the just like, be kind. It's like, yeah, that's a great foundation. It's a great starting place. But then we have to be, you know, and, and if we're going to actually shift the, actually shift mainstream culture, then it feels like really important that these, that the narratives that can be evolved, which include spiritual insight, mm -hmm. can compete with these narratives that don't, because they're doing, they're very strong and they're doing very well. I mean, I can completely agree, and especially what you say about religion, you are right. I think people are very nervous about religion because of the extremism. You know, in America, we have the evangelical movement. Um, it, it's 
so many people have evolved in that they're seeing how man-made religion is, you know, based on sound foundations sometimes, but it is man-made. And it's also a way for people to get power and control over people's, you know, thoughts and, and whatever. And I think there is great nervousness about that, but you're absolutely right. There has not been a big religious response, but I think if there was, it would be shot down, ignored. I think people have had enough. I mean, religion has, you know, religion is still very important to lots of people. And, and I respect that. I always say if, if your religion speaks to you and, you know, makes you feel like your life has meaning and you harm no one, go for it. There's, there's many paths to fulfillment. And if religion is that path for you, go for it. But um, you're right. Um, yeah, you are, you're right, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think a dream is then? How does that fit in? Yeah, with your... that's what I've, I've been working with scientists and neuroscientists and um, looked at all the theories. I know all the theories, random firings of the brain, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, science doesn't really know why we dream. Science actually doesn't even know why we sleep. We don't sleep to rest because our mind's very active and our body moves in sleep. Why, why do we? It's this wonderful mystery and that's where I am. I do love a mystery and dreams are the ultimate mystery. What is going on there? What's the point? Um, and I've dedicated a lot of my life to trying to find out what the point is of dreams. And I think they are some kind of internal therapist, the higher part of ourselves using the language of symbols because that's how the unconscious speaks through symbols to try and help us cathartically get rid of emotions and anxieties or stress, um, or, and also to, to give us messages and, and inspiration. Um, and uh, I love, absolutely love Tim now working with dreams, because I feel that that's a way to engage people. You talk about this shift. I'm starting with dreams, that's where I'm going, because everybody dreams, even those who say they don't, they do. And even the most cynical, they kind of want to know what the meaning of this mad dream where they're being chased by monsters meant or they were paralyzed or they couldn't find a restroom in public, you know, all these common themes. And help, And once you start actually working with people and their dreams, which is what I do now, it's wonderful because you see all the sparks going off. They start to understand they're far more interesting than they realize. There's so much in there. I've never looked into the into the history, but hearing you talk, I'm, I'm I'm sure somebody has. I don't know if you have. My, maybe my friend Charlie Morley, who who works with dreams, knows it. But you know, I wonder when we stopped, because you know, the the further you go back in history, it looks like dreams are really big things. And you know, if I think about Black Elk Speaks, for instance, where it's all the whole culture is about prophetic dreams and you know the discussion of dreams and and at a certain point, obviously, in our culture people stop waking up in the morning and sharing their dreams. And I wonder when that was. I think religion would have had a part to do with it because as I say, dreams are a bit like your internal guide and your internal therapist. They give you a glimpse of your own power and possibility. And I think religion very much clamped down on dream interpretation, the concept of an oracle, all this kind of thing and working on yourself because it's much in religion, you have to look to the priests, to the, to the organizations to guide you. Whereas dreams empower you to guide yourself, because that's what they do. I mean, I, you know, dreams have inspired much of what I do. My dream life is extremely vivid, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and I've 
I'm blessed to have people write to me and talk about how their dreams have changed their life or inspired them or sh shifted them. As I say, I know you talk about shifts and I think dreams play a huge part in that. So I can't resist, but I, 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 let, me, let me have a little stab. I haven't done this before ever. Let me have a little stab at dreams um, from the perspective I'm exploring and just see if it, I can make it hold together for um, five minutes and see what you think. Is that right? Absolutely. I'm sure it would be brilliant, Tim. Well, not necessarily. It might be very clever. It might be totally wrong. The, so so um, how, how can I do it quickly? So the... The, 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 the narrative, we've talked about this on short break before, but the narrative I'm exploring is that what existence is, is a process of evolution. Everything is evolving. And so for me, everything is this process of emergence into higher and higher levels of emergence, which means things build on what's gone before. So that with the arising of the psyche, it looks to me like the nature of this evolving information has created a representation of the sensory world, which then has its own reality. Um, and that the psyche is a, is a processing system, if you will. So that we're taking information, it's being processed by the psyche, but we're also able to, it's processing itself. Right now it's doing that while we're talking to each other. Um, and the fundamental low levels you can see are arising in animal life forms, even in plants actually, where they're learning and there's, there's, there's clearly concepts about time because you can't learn without that, which will become in us this through words and symbols will become this experience of being conscious. Uh, and so it feels like what we've done, or what the evolutionary process has done has is created to use a modern jargon, a kind of virtual reality. And uh, we inhabit that we can go into that so that what's happening with with dreams is lots of things probably but that it's part of the uh, the work of the processing system and i think that's another more more kind of dry way of saying what you're saying which is it's self therapy that you're actually you know it's a way of working out what the hell is going on in the in the psyche but that also my then this is my, my area of real speculation here it is if everything has emerged and if the psyche is recent, which it seems to be comparatively, is, is, the, was, is the rising of dreams actually part of the process which created the realm that gets called the spirit realm, heaven, bardos, all the rest of it? That actually what we're witnessing is that that's part of the process whereby another reality which you can inhabit mm -hmm. began to establish itself. Firstly, in individual spaces, but then in a collective space, which is why the, the, the space which people enter into in near-death experiences is like a dream, because it, it is. It's just that the, dream, the individual dream has become something which is universal. And so what you're witnessing really is actually a, a stepping stone in that evolutionary process, which hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there, it's still functioning, it's still doing what it's doing but it's actually part of something greater. Have you done? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in, in line with all that. I do think it is part of an unseen realm, an unseen place. I mean, I don't claim to be able to know what that place is, whether it's consciousness or the part of us is, is infinite and exists independent of our body and brain, I don't know. I, I think of it as a kind of a portal, an entry point, and that's, what I'm looking at now, an entry point that going into the world of the dream, understanding that, becoming lucid in your dreams is an entry point 
yeah. something yeah. infinite and unseen, an unseen realm that I, I do believe is real. Have you explored psychedelic experiences, Teresa? Everybody says that when they look at me. When I was on Russell Brand. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not to do with how you look. It's to do with no, the, no, no, whether no, I can ask said, you questions said, about it. No, he, he said exactly the same. He said, because when I went on Under the Skin, and he was saying to me, um, what you're talking about sounds very much like in my psychedelic days when I, I was, you know, and yes, it does sound kind of similar. I haven't actually indulged, despite uh -huh. what people may say. Uh, no, I haven't. No, it does sound like that. I, but it's not for me. I don't need drugs to to do that. I can do that naturally. Get into that kind of like. I, I'm not for one minute suggesting that you take psychedelics, but of course you can't actually say that because you've never taken them, so you don't know whether it's the same or different. No, no, but and I know that I've asked that question so many times that what I'm talking about sounds like a trip. Yeah. 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 It does sound like a trip. I, I, I'm not qualified to judge on that because it's not something I've, I've, yeah, I've researched yeah, yeah, yeah. or experienced. Um, but people who have um, say that it sounds similar. However, um, it, it's not comparable because I, I think that experience would be very draining. Um, anything that isn't natural for me would feel very draining really rather than empowering i see the spiritual experience uh, investigating your dreams becoming lucid in dreams as very empowering and energizing i i'll just have Ten terence mckenna do you know terence mckenna no i don't it doesn't matter oh, he, he's dead now but he's a amazing man i'm sure he's here in spirit too. yeah he definitely there's no doubt about that and i should just have terence in my ear going you know because i remember him saying you know that it's like people keep saying it's unnatural. What's more natural than bending down, picking up a mushroom and putting it in your mouth? <laughs> <laughs> well, in certain cultures, yes, it is. I mean, yeah, it, you it's know. Pre it's pretty natural, really. Yeah, yeah. But as long as it, you know, if it's, if it's not damaging or unhealthy, you know, if there's health imp implications, that's certainly not something I would recommend. Because you and I'm not recommending it to you or anyone. And, and, and it's not a big part of my life. So, it, But it's a part of my past at certain phases. And it does remind me of it. With and, and, and anything that tries to get you into this peak state, you don't need it. You know, I've never, I've never needed it. You know, any, any to get into this state of, of, of bliss and where you can see the bigger picture and you feel amazing, you can do that naturally. I can you do it can without a shadow music. of that. You can, although I do, walking. I do, I do want to say. You know, if I look at my experiences, nearly all of them, hardly any of them have been to do with um, psychedelics, small per percentage. But I have to say, those psychedelic experiences were not the same. They have a particular Can you tell me the quality. Difference? What was the difference? Because, you know. I think the biggest difference is the, they're, they're all different actually, but is the, is the uh, visionary quality both in terms of like being the in in entering into the imaginal space and the way that the image space reveals itself is not like an, any other dream or meditation or vision that i've had um and and also the way in which that imaginal vision gets projected onto the sensory world in a mm -hmm. way that you are just no longer in kind of both and you can distinguish they are just completely melded in a way that can be both amazing and very confusing was that your curiosity your hunger to know that drove you to 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 that encourage you to take those was it just curiosity what what, what yeah I, I guess curiosity is but i mean I, I mean i've 
I've kind of set out to try and do everything once, um, if, which isn't doesn't cause anyone else a problem. Um, How far are you down your list, Tim? Have you got many more to go? I, I worry sometimes that it's going to end, but it hasn't yet. Oh, it never will. It never but now will. I'm on. But now I'm on to more boring things. Like you know, I just took up weightlifting because I'd never do that, but I do it once. You know. um, really? so, the body's so. the temple of the spirit. But, so, yeah. but uh, and occasionally a new psychedelic experiences will arrive, and I'll go. Oh, I'll I'll, I'll see what that is. Um, but as I get older, I may take, you know, I'm more careful. Uh, yeah. But I'm not, you know, it, 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 I agree with you. Essentially, I, essentially, I'm agreeing with you. Look, the, the, you know, the, 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 the majority of really powerful spiritual experiences for me have got, had nothing to do with psychedelics. Yeah. But this, so let, let God, I pulled this into a dead end really there. Look, it's the idea that you were saying about dreams as entry points and, uh, that we're entering something bigger so so what so the other thing which i picked up from your conversation the thing the watkins thing which i just wanted to about doubt you know not i'm not i i i i think we're both on the same page with you know why it's healthy to question and all this what for you when you have those periods what for you is it that makes you Let's take a particular thing. Let's take something like the survival of the soul or the psyche after death. Mm. So I presume that is probably an area that you get times when you think, is that right? Have I just believed something for, you know, what, are the, what is it? Is it indivi your individual experiences that give you a sense of, no, I am confident in that belief or, or is it evidential or is it what? How do you deal with that? What, what is it that makes you come back again and write another book or, or feel confident to, to say the yeah. things you As I say, rather like you, I think I've had beliefs and then questioned them and questioned them and questioned them again. I guess it's just, this sounds very simple. It's down to a sense of inner peace. And if I don't have that when I'm talking about a belief, and I especially find it actually when I do talks or interviews and I'm saying something which I've written in my book or I've, pr I've promoted, but as I'm saying it, I'm not actually convincing myself anymore. <laughs> you know, you get that mm -hmm. point when you think mm -hmm. I'm, on, I'm, I'm on a loop here. This is mm -hmm. a tape I'm playing. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like this, like this tape. Mm -hmm. There's more, there's more I need to know. And um, that's been my journey, especially the last five years, because I was on a very level i was collecting reader experiences paranormal experiences i got quite lazy actually you know i went to the finest institution in the world to study was very very fortunate to have book after book about this sort of thing and then found myself in the role as a collector i was a psychic collector people i'm um, because in each of my books i put my email and say write to me if you have a story and first of all, that was wildly exciting, you know, and the media love it because you've got real life case histories to put in papers, to talk about, this is exciting. But it all got, I think, well, who am I then? I'm just collecting all this and saying, well, it might be true, but that's what the publishers wanted because that sells and there's this conflict always with every spiritual writer of the business with the, with the, you know, the, what you're, why you're doing it. And, it actually changed, I would say now seven years ago, um, when it was like, what am I doing? 
I've done this, I've written this book, and now I'm being asked to write it again, to reinvent the wheel. I don't know if you have that, you write a book that does very well, you're asked to reinvent it. Basically write the same thing over and over again. And if you try and deviate from that, you get criticized. So I decided, right, what am I criticized for? I'm criticized, first of all, that I'm not a psychic or a medium. So I went on a journey to try and find out more about these people who claim to have these powers, to go incognito. I literally traveled the country to try and look at it and try and talk to them and understand them. Second, you know, I went on the Merseyside skeptics and places like that, hounding me, where's the science? No proof. So then I went on a journey to push my what I believed in further and I worked with scientists and neuroscientists to try and grow and to be bigger than I had the statement I'd originally made but what I found is the resistance to you doing that people want to see me as this blonde angel lady stay there be quiet have your dreams <laughs> talk to the fairies you know? <laughs> do you believe in unicorns you know all that <laughs> yes I there's a part of me that is very frivolous and that you know wants to be this little child but you've got to grow up at some point and um i'm getting there tim i'm still not really taken seriously because i do have a sense of humor and i love to laugh um and spirit spiritual people tend to be very serious i do think humor is much needed in spirituality sometimes i say things to deliberately court controversy because i want a reaction i want that spark i want people to be alive I'm getting there and it's wonderful now that I've got this lovely collaboration with IONS with likes of Dean Radin and Helena Wabe, Julia Mossbridge, who I co-authored a book with called The Premonition Code. And would you believe that book was reviewed in a science journal? How, of course, it was very funny because with me, they said, um, Teresa Chung writes encyclopedias, quotation marks, enough said about her, the better. Now on to Dr. Julia Mossbridge, the neuroscientist, but it didn't matter because that book, the whole point of it was to show a spiritualist, a believer can work with a scientist. But that's what I'm doing now. And I, Fascinating. I'm really enjoying Fascinating. it. And I think, for you. I think I'm enjoying it. And again, now enjoyment is becoming more and more important. So, so I don't care anymore about the, whether, you know, it's, you know, I get the critical approval or the, it's not about that anymore. It's about what I'm doing, does it have meaning? Is it helping people open their minds, think about their lives in a different way? It kind of falls away all the other stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, I found I exactly the same. Exactly the same. It just almost sometimes I just feel like I just want to just be quiet because, you know, I can't. No, don't, Tim, we need your but, voice. But, but <laughs> so yeah, so I completely get that thing about. I just you know I remember the my international bestseller was uh, the the Jesus mysteries, and we did a follow up on that, and That's then the third heard. book knew about you yeah. was the uh was the was you know they i want i'd done with jesus i finished and i was going on and the, doing a whole book on awakening and looking at you know and they came back and went no no it's got to be about jesus <laughs> <laughs> you're on the jesus shelf we'll be starting again and they were right of what category you're in for the they were right i did start again so yeah. for that third book that you laugh we released a book called the laughing jesus which had Jesus in the title, but wasn't about Jesus. <laughs> Brilliant. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, yeah. So I get that. So I want to home in on, okay, so you talk about going to see mediums, and this is stuff that I did, you know, I mean, not like you've done it, I'm sure, just because, you know, in my teens and my 20s, I went and saw loads of mediums. Um, you know, I was involved in um, 
a an occult lodge which was kind of a little kind of cult really but it was fascinating and gave me the weirdest year i've ever had in my life it's like every day was crazy we were connecting with angels and this is and that's and everything it was just like one long trip it was a year trip and at the end of it i came out and wow jesus i just it was i had to be very very quiet for a very long time um but part of my exploration of going around, you know, the psychic centre in London and all that, you know, we're talking about now, we're talking about the late 70s and 80s. Yes. Early 80s. And there was a whole load of stuff which was really impressive and then a whole load of stuff which wasn't. And it was all mixed up. And I couldn't, you know, it's like, I mean, I've sat in, more recently actually, where somebody has, has taken, you know, someone paid, for me to speak to a medium online cost him 500 quid but he was so impressed he said you must speak with her and it captured the experience for me because on the one hand she was incredibly intuitive yes she claimed she hadn't googled me whether that's true or not i don't know oh, it's impossible not to isn't it i would have thought so but you know but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna accuse her of being dishonest no. um because i don't know that's true uh, incredibly complimentary and, you know, the things that were surrounding me were all wonderful things. And I was, you know, and, and, and I am, I come to this as somebody who has a strong spiritual intuition that death is not the end. Yeah. Who's had experiences myself, which are my own little experiences with my mother when she was dying or my father and, and continue to have that. I've worked with people who are dying and I've seen that. And that's where my, that's where I was curious for you was is it your individual experience is it the questioning and the evidence which does it for you or is it just always in a base you know maybe maybe not you know you one of the you you because i mean a lot of people i respect are agnostic actually yes. they may say well i tend towards it but who knows or you know well for me um i was born into it you know i from the age of three or four i was going to you know, being born into a family of spiritualists, you know, talking to dead people is commonplace. But I was very conscious as I was growing up, I was surrounded by people who claimed to have these abilities, but I had none. I did not see dead people in the playground. I didn't see angels. And yet I was constantly surrounded by people who said they did. So I believed just because that's what I was brought up to believe. But of course, when I went to university and everything, I began to start seriously questioning and also wanting to develop my own psychic abilities. You know, I went to the College of Psychic Studies, all these, I mean, I did every course, probably like you did. I had a few moments, you know, where things, maybe I got an intuitive hit, but I wouldn't, I cannot say I'm psychic or I see visions and aura. I'd love to see an aura, Tim. I'd love to say I see, you know, beings of light shooting out of you. I'm sure they are, but I, I don't. Um, <laughs> So, um, and I began to realize actually a lot of people are just like me. They want to believe, but they haven't got these abilities. So let's study more closely these people who have. So yeah. I went to spend time with them. And um, there are a lot of common themes in their lives as well that I think should be scientifically investigated. Um, childhood trauma is one of them. Uh, gay, lesbian, bi, often um left-handed and belief and it, it, the theme of that is feeling like an outsider so they've had to develop some kind of ability and this is research done at the Winbridge Institute actually that I'm this also is this is research on psychics that there are some not every there's always exceptions as you know of course 
always exceptions and, and some psychics won't fall in any of these categories mm. but they tend to from that what this research showed and it's been recently published this year actually if you go to the Winbridge Institute Dr Julie Beischel there who's been on my podcast and she talks about this research because they're trying to find about and there's a genetic factor that it's passed down so I wanted to understand them for me you to, sorry I go on a tangent so no no it's a fascinating tangent what what um makes me believe in them is not so much them what they're doing but if I see them having a positive impact on the people that they are helping and if they're not abusing that connection like they have you know for me a good psychic or medium is someone who does not encourage repeat visits you do one two possibly tops who doesn't charge excessive amounts of money and that person goes away feeling better for me that's the touch of heaven something's happened there and I don't care how it's happened <laughs> it's helped them and if I go to a spiritual service and I see a medium and these you know a lot of them are not paid they do it voluntary mm. and yet you can see that the people in the congregation are getting somehow getting proof of survival because a medium has said well I can see your son and he died of cancer and the person goes that's right I don't I want to know how they're doing that the, the hits sometimes who was getting the most hits and I think I found a few people who when they went and they they hadn't googled they were doing this for free also I think those people are worth investigating mm. as data scientifically and, and did, what, did you, what, what did you find through I mean were you impressed at the end I don't know if it's telepathy but even so even it is as I, I talked about this with Dean Radin even if it is telepathy and it's not afterlife communication surely that's worth investing that's fascinating definitely yeah. shows the limits of the brain yeah definitely um, um so that's where I was is you know so let's not just hound them and stone these people and say it's all evil if they're helping people and it's not harming anyone and it's not brainwashing them or making them dependent because increasingly actually I've got on a bit of a mission to stop this codependency between a teacher and their followers mm. you know to see we see it in nightmare scenarios with what's happening in america you could say trump's some kind of cult figure and i see that happening within the new age movement mm. oh, I, i've been mm. shocked actually to see how many of the people that i admired have been liking posts saying trump won or whatever people I never would have thought so, you know, this conspiracy theories and how much within the new age movement is a, people believing in conspiracy theories and fantasies that are unproven. For me, that's not spirituality, you know, because we go back to that eternal question, because you believe something, does that make it real? All these, these questions, you see, I'm, I'm firing all cylinders here. You are firing, and I want, I want to, I'm fascinated. I, if, I want to home in to try and understand here because what I'm hearing is kind of two opposite things, That's both me. of which I really relate to, um, and they probably go together. On the one hand, I hear of part of you which is very pragmatic. It's very like, look, if it's helping, if it's kind, if people are finding meaning, it's okay. And I get that. It's like, yeah, look, the world's, you know, hard enough. You know, if you know whatever gets you through the night. There's that. And then on the other hand, I, I see this really intellectual, curious Teresa, probably the one who ended up in Cambridge, who's like, yes. who's like yeah, and what is actually happening here? Is it this? Is it this? Which, what, what's going on here? And uh, I kind of get both of them, um, but they, they're kind of pulling in different directions. Yes, sometimes. My, my, my life, yes, it's trying to find harmony between those two parts of me. Yeah, and I think that's very much why I'm here on this 
planet at the moment to try and harmonize that and to learn. And I'm a work in progress. I don't know. I'm just offering my life experience, my research, my collaborations. And that's what I offer to people in the hope it will encourage them to find out. Because there's a huge- Psychics, if they can do it, if they have this ability, surely it should encourage us to try and develop that ourselves. It should empower us to think, well, humans are capable of this. I can be capable of so much more too. Don't follow these people, don't worship them. Let yeah, it I'm, I, you to I'm definitely with you with that. It's, it's uh, spirituality, you know, having been around spirituality for, you know, a bit, bit like you're different to you. I didn't grow up in it, but I had my first awakening when I was very young and then I've spent now 50 years in it. And my opinion of spirituality is very low, <laughs> but then yeah. probably if I'd spent 20, 50 years in politics in my, you know, or plumbing, then I'd be, have a very low opinion of that because you can't tend to see and yeah. what you're pointing at yeah. is, Jesus, yeah. there's so much which is wrong with this. Uh, but the thing which drives me on, uh, you know, I was thinking about this today, actually, because I'm working on this, these lots of philosophical ideas is where I've got pulled into quite unexpectedly, really, over the last 10 years, more than the experiential, which is still there. But is it kind of part of me just feels like I really don't need to do this for me anymore because I've arrived at somewhere I'm happy with. But it just feels collectively the change which has happened in our culture with the collapse of religion has been hugely beneficial over here and not over here. And the bit which isn't is that, you know, well, let's do it the other way around. If you took our culture, say like the UK, a very secular, mainly secular now culture, and if it became a culture in which it was quite, it wasn't woo woo and blah and a bit nutty to say, no, no, death isn't the end. We need to understand that in how we treat people when they're dying, how you live your life. We need to develop the faculties to connect these realms more closely. We need, or, yeah, look, telepathy is an everyday occurrence. Most people experience it quite a lot all the time. They just don't give it a name. And if we shifted that... That's what I'd love. Yeah. We would be in a completely different world. Now, if the reductionists or the physicalists or the naturalists are right, and that's just a kind of psychosis, sometimes a beneficial one, but, you know, but nothing real, then, then we need to see that. But if it's not, if it's actually about a level of reality that we're, as a culture, kind of dismissing, it really becomes important to understand it, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And that's what my mission is. And that's what I'm dedicating my, the rest of my life to. Um, that's what I want to do. I just want to open people's minds to that possibility that, there's so much more about them yet to discover and explore. And this stuff, this material stuff is wonderful and it should be experienced, but it's not all that there is. That's where I am, very Beautiful. simple. And um, I think once you start going on that journey and start investigating the unseen part of you, life becomes so fascinating. There are not enough hours in the day to learn about it. And a lot of people are saying they're bored or they feel unmotivated. And it's why, because you're not tapping into that part of yeah. you, that spiritual and unseen part of you, which makes life so engaging. And I love the fact that scientists are now studying the inner world, um, our consciousness, what is it? You know, the science of consciousness you know, Nobel Prize winners, physicists, leading scientists doing that. What a step forward for science to do that. There's this whole breed of new scientists out there looking at this. 
Um, and in the data is showing in most of their studies that there's something there, there's something unexplained and unseen. And um, if I'm gonna worship anything, I think actually I'm starting to worship the scientists. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm like this with them. Because they, they risk ridicule from their profession. It's tough for them to get their work published in journals and respected, mm. but they mm. are doing it. They are having, you know, this study about genetic traits of, of, of psychics and mediums, for example, this study of a medium, are they getting the hits? You know, this is all being done. The study of near-death experiences, study mm. of energy healing. You know, <laughs> these studies are being done, but we're not hearing about them. They're hidden in academic and scientific journals. And I'm trying to actually get people to know that they are like, Julia Mossbridge, the neuroscientist who studies precognition. Her research is amazing because she studies presentiment when people are awake, that their brain and their heart rate knows the future because there's increased activity when there's a, you know, before an alarming image is shown. These studies have been published, but they're buried. And it'd be great if more people knew that these studies are out there. So how, how that work that you're doing inter interacts, I think, with the work that I seem to be trying to do um, now is, and I've just literally been working on this this morning before we spoke, is it feels like every belief that anyone has is never a thing on its own. It's always embedded in a whole web of what Quine called a web of beliefs or really a narrative, a story. And that's why I do this series, you know, what is life? What is existence? What's the story which you put everything into? Yeah. And sometimes people don't have one coherent story. There's many stories that don't really fit together often. But the reason that science, as the story it's telling right now, can't why it has to bury it is because these bits of information just don't fit and because they don't fit it would mean such a paradigm shift that it's unthinkable yeah. and so the part in the in the puzzle i'm trying to do is to come up with another story which absolutely gets what the science science has revealed right you know all the way down without trying to hijack it I, my, my worry with a lot of what's going on is that certainly things like quantum physics have been hijacked Oh, yeah. just trying to hear new age people talking about quantum physics i just felt it's like be quiet you don't really understand yeah. it i mean yeah. it's just like the way they you're that, that's something i get angry about yeah. they have oh sorry <laughs> no, really, yes me, me too you can be you can be the only one I, I, it means i don't have to and they just have a few sort of academic scientific sounding words to like validate their healing yeah. system or their modality yeah. drives me Nuts. And it's not just, you know, the thing with the, I mean, there was a, you know, it's not just, um, it, 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 it's a, I mean, there's lots of people you could, I could choose, but um, the person that I've, I was looking at just you know, received an email just before Christmas, I think it was, I just took it out and went, that's such a good example, was um, the biologist who wrote Biology of Belief, who oh. seems like a really lovely guy, um, whose name is... Is it Joe Dis... No. no, no, it's. Uh, I know the biology, but I'm going to go. Anyway, the gentleman who wrote. Gosh, you're talking. Carry um, on. Uh, yeah, and, and it was like, it was astonishing to me that he wrote there and went, quantum physics, the most established of, and certain of all sciences, this is not a quote, this is a rough you know, paraphrase, shows that you create your own reality. Be conscious how you're doing that today. And it was like, wow, this is a guy who's. <laughs> In the new age area, which I'm, which I'm trying to work in, in spirituality, to try and establish mm. 
a genuine, thoughtful, who's completely misrepresented quantum physics in order to endorse an idea. No wonder we end up thinking this is being just as woo-woo because it's... They do it with such certainty as well. Um, you know, which and actually, I'll just, there's a thought here, which I want to come back on. And then, you know, we've been talking for ages, haven't we? And we've got another conversation coming up. Um, one of the things with, with the eye experience and, and, and with mediums and, and, and psychics generally was that one of the mistakes I saw again and again was again, the story they were telling. So they had a story in which they were talking to the dead and blah, blah, blah. So there was a kind of a certainty with it. It felt like they had to be completely confident that they were right. Mm. What you said was the number of hits they got. And I like that. Because then it becomes, because you only need three or four really good hits and something's happening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You only need one black swan and all swans aren't white. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so the idea that, look, that, that we exaggerate these things and, and, tr and no one's right all the time about anything. And that what we just need is that, and if people have got abilities to connect telepathy or to actually go deeper into the uh, spirit realm or the bardos, whatever you call that, than other people, then it's not, it wouldn't be a great surprise if sometimes they got it right and sometimes they got it wrong. And that, that would really help if we had that attitude to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think psychics and mediums do feel under great pressure to perform. And I've yeah. seen it happen many times that they are, you know, I've, I actually, in my early days as a writer, I was a ghost writer for some very well-known. That's how I learned my craft. Yes, I. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's just such writer, a funny idea of being a ghost writer for a medium. <laughs> yes, yes, because uh, you know, um, you know. So um, I've seen a lot behind the scenes. Yeah, me too. The pressure to perform when you've got a stadium with a thousand people. Yeah. There's big God, pressure. That must be immense. Wow. I can't... Wow, God, that can't. must be strange. You can't. I mean, it's a bit like an internet connection. I, th that's what they do say, psychic mediums. It's like establishing a strong internet connection with the other side. And sometimes, as you know, like with your Zooms, it will freeze or it won't, you know, you won't connect. Um, so, you know, I do think psychics and mediums that go and want to become celebrities, that, that you need to question that. What's going on there? I think the other thing which I get, and I haven't looked into it over the recent years enough, but maybe you have, so it feels like too good an opportunity to let you go quite without asking you, is there's a, there's a thing, I mean, it's a different thing, but with channeled wisdom, for instance, which I struggle with sometimes, um, again, because of the absoluteness. It's not my own higher Yeah, but when self. somebody says, I mean, because I, I obviously I have a lot of friends in this community and they say, I've channeled this. Yeah. It's very hard, isn't it, to sort of yeah. contradict and a part of you, the sort of the yeah. gullible part, you know, we all have that gullible part, that people pleasing part, wants them to feel good and to, you know, it's very difficult. when It's absolutist, isn't it? It's a bit like yeah. you were saying about the, the, the guru thing. It's like, what if you, if I say, hey, Teresa, when, when I told you my theory, if I went, you know, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think? It's completely different if I've just been told by the elders of- <laughs> disembodied masters that this is the way it is it's like whoa okay so uh, I, get, sorry to intro, I get excited but you know i had this about three or four years ago i was doing an interview with a very well-known person i won't say any names and she suddenly told me in the interview that i had all these beings of light i was an angel and i'm admit, admit the vain part of myself was so like <laughs> you know i fell 
you are you 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 know like the rugs pulled under your feet then you fall into that everybody wants to be told that they're touched by spirits and angels and 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 everything and and looking back i thought oh my goodness i fell right into that Mm. because after that i was completely like a a lamb i was like a puppy with them i was like (laughs) pathetic i was so you know susceptible to flattery and that, that worries me. Sorry, I'm interrupting you again. Like, no, no, it's <laughs> wonderful. I love it. It's, it, um, it. So I can't remember what I was going to ask you now, but, um, uh, but I was just thinking about that's exactly what happened. It didn't happen to me, but that's exactly what the lady, yeah. I was worried. I, I'm not saying she was doing that. Maybe I am surrounded by great beings of light because I'm on some great You mission. all are. You know, it's like, or, you know, well, the inference is yeah, we all are, but not as much as you <laughs> it's yes. like that's the that's yes. the thing uh you know who knows but but i'm aware from being years and years around spiritual teachers that you know there are certain things you can do to make people feel special and then it's not just spiritual teachers of course politicians everyone can do it it's yes. charming isn't it you know you, you i focus my attention on you i make you feel like you're something and you love me and, yes. and there's it's a beautiful thing sometimes and it can be a dangerous thing other times because yes. yes. it depends on the intention but yeah. None of which was to do with what I was going to ask you. Damn it! I was. Like, oh yeah. I said I can't let you go. I need to ask you. Yeah, you did. That mediums. Yes, the black swan analogy. Yes. Have you come across with some of these mediums you've hung out with things which you've looked at, which has just gone? That is that individual case. There is so strong and so. Uh, convincing the thing which what well, the reason I brought up um channeling is I not to get into that but is that what always amazes me about it is how banal it is it's like you know I never listen to a channeled wisdom and go wow that's full of amazing ideas I've never thought of that's incredible I just get told you know be peaceful and be nice you know or something it's like you know stuff I already knew so what I'm looking for always is that moment where it's like, you know, if you're really channeling the Pleiades, tell me how you combine Newton's theories of gravity with Einstein or something, you know, how do you combine quantum physics with relativity, for instance, something we don't know. And then you'd go, wow, look at that. That's incredible. Yeah. Mrs. Uh, Joan blah, blah from so-and-so who can't possibly have known all of this has just solved this equation. I, I have seen with some of the mediums I've worked with um, them saying something to someone that there's no way they could possibly know but you know is it a lucky guess i guess what i'm more convinced by is actually the ordinary people who write to me with their stories of things that they have sensed out of the blue which they think that i'm not a psychic or a medium but i sensed that my niece who lives in australia had a heart attack I saw it in a dream. The next morning, the phone rang and my niece had died of a heart attack. That's what actually gets me now. People who are not actually in the business of it, who are having that. And there are a lot of those people. It's incredibly common, actually, isn't it, Teresa? Yeah. I mean, mean, it's incredibly common. We've all got that that inner medium in ourselves. And, you know, some people decide they're so in love with that ability that they have that they're going to train it. You know, a good medium and a psychic actually does do training, as you know. Mm. You know, there are certain 
you know, I would always encourage if you are going to visit a medium or a psychic, look at their qualifications. Look, are they scientifically validated? I love that now. There's a whole new breed of mediums who are scientifically endorsed. What does that mean? Well, they go through three to four years of testing under cold, you know, I don't know the scientific terms, but under cold conditions like that, they, they will be phoned up by the scientists. Who are the scientists? Windbridge Institute is the place leading. Who, who is the Windbridge Institute? Windbridge Institute. I mean, you actually might like to talk to her, Dr. Julie Byshaw. She's um, leading the world in researching mediums. Now, her story is fascinating because she's a scientist. She worked in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, her mother died um, very tragically under very tragic circumstances. I won't share them here because I don't know if she'd be comfortable with me sharing it. But um, she had grief therapy. She didn't believe in the afterlife. And then randomly one day, she went in to see a medium. This medium accurately, without knowing who this scientist was, gave the exact details of her mother's death. Hmm. But nobody could have known. That, being a scientist, she was curious. Hmm. She thought there, there could be a, I wanna find out. So she basically gave up her job in a pharmaceutical industry where she was testing drugs scientifically and thought, what if we test scientists the same way? I mean, uh, mediums the same way as we test drugs, very simply under exactly the same stringent conditions. And she's established that at the Windbridge Institute. It is amazing their research, very promising results. And what they're now actually doing is that they, you can be a scientifically validated medium. And um, they, I, I urge anyone who's interested in this to, to check it out because it's fascinating that they have mediums now who have gone through the scientific testing. And I tried to do that with the premonition code when I worked with Dr. Julia Mossbridge, the precognition lady. We set up a website, the www.thepremonitioncode.com, where Julia created a scientific test, impossible for fraud to come in, you know, with random data or whatever, to see if she could identify what she called precogs, you know, positive precogs. Yeah. Um, and it's still ongoing. It's a huge scientific experiment that she did because what she wants then is to put them in the Hall of Fame, that they have passed the scientific credentials. And that is actually happening in the scientific community, more and more scientific testing of these people. And if you can find a medium who's been scientifically tested and endorsed, you know, that might be an interesting uh, connection for you. That is, well, I didn't know any of that. How fascinating. Yeah, Dr. Judy Byshaw, she's a... Um, incredible yeah so i guess <laughs> we, should, we should we should adjourn until our next oh, our next yeah. time we, we get to have a conversation um obviously i'll put with all of this stuff if anyone wants to explore stuff about you there'll be loads of there'll be a link and all of that stuff um just want to say thank you for your kindness and and uh, being so patient with me tim appreciate it and thank you for all you do your people who read your books are very fortunate and i mean that genuinely are you charming me now no no, no i mean <laughs> genuinely because i've read your books I've, I've been aware of you for a long time oh thank no. you no thank I'm, you. i mean it genuinely i know, you know you do. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just I asked you that twice you know it's quite an honor to be asked back <laughs> I, I feel it i feel it i do feel that and I look forward to what we, what we can explore, um, what we can explore further. Um, I also want to say just, and this is really for anyone who's listening, who's interested, just because it seems relevant, we've talked about life after death and things like that. Um, I had an experience six months after my mother died um, of meeting her, 
that's what I experienced. Um, and uh, I recorded the exact story of what happened um, the wow. next, I think it was like the same day or the next day. So it's very, 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 because I know I forget. So Would you mind quite, telling me what it was? The, the, what happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, there's, I can give you the, the short essence of it, I guess, which was uh, my mum had died. It'd been, she's a huge figure in my life. Um, and I'd been with her the whole way through and looked after her. And, and then six months later, um, we suddenly got a phone call saying, you've got a free ticket to a spa nearby for me and my wife. It's like, really? And it was so funny because it's like the sort of thing my mum would give us. And uh, we said, okay, great, thank you. And we went to this free spa. Bar. And while I was at the spa, I was working on a whole lot of ideas. I had a, felt very uh, alive and um, with Deb having a great, my wife having a great chat in the hot tub and then went to have a massage. And, you know, the massage rooms are all like blue lights and nice music and stuff. And literally the minute the massage started, I was gone and I was somewhere else altogether with my mum and had a, an experience with her of, uh, it felt like what I, what I was seeing was that I was connecting with something which was uh, more than my mum, but yeah, was still my mum. Yeah, the yes, yes, the spark. And, and the fact that she was my mum was really not irrelevant. It was, although she was far more than my mum, and it was like everything she'd ever been was present. So like right the way back and beyond, and, and I was getting to be with it. And, and it was, uh, extraordinary experience and I went was able to come straight out, out of that when the massage finished and find myself back and, and um, uh, sat down with Debbie straight away and just went through the whole thing and then the next day went I've got to record this so it's a long rambling recording which was done for me not for really for public publication but so many people have asked about it I, I did stick it up and um, you know it's those individual experiences which I think have been most important to me it's like what, what, what you know what actually happened something happened for sure and it's like, what I, was I, it? My, my early books were collecting experiences like that to yeah. show, you know, it happens spontaneously. For me, that something similar happened when I met both my parents in my dreams. Was in dreams, that's when I where I meet them and yeah. talk to them. Um, and it's it's in, incredibly healing and shows me that death has taken their physical body, but not ended our relationship. Our relationship exactly continued in spirit and, and actually as we talked about psychedelic experiences which you know i really do so infrequently it just so happens well, that that's I what did, you're saying now tim uh, well uh, it is actually true but i did one uh last year last year i thought you were going to say like 30 years ago no last year and uh at the end of it oh no this was the year before actually and at the end of it there was this lovely almost a comical moment where I was lying down and above me was a, 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 a window and uh, with the sun shining through, it was lovely. And I finally opened my eyes and looked through the window and, and I could see myself. So it was like I was having an out-of-body experience because I was looking at my body. Normally it's the other way around, isn't it? You look down at your body, but I'm looking up at my body in the, in the mirror. But what was interesting was around me was everyone who was dead and they were like it was like they were so there it was just like wow hello and and it was a lovely lovely you know it was like just one after the other one after the other started with my mom and my dad and then way back you know did you find do you find sometimes that communicating with the dead in that way they, they're sometimes they're more alive than people who are alive they feel i certainly found i certainly found with my death of my parents which are um the most recent deaths that i've had 
that and, and I've just actually just been talking to a dear friend of mine who's lost his wife after a long period of illness and he said the same thing it's like what I expected was that when I remembered say my mum I would feel this grief but actually what happened was whenever I remembered my mum I experienced how close I felt to her yes so it was almost there was the grief but it was also the opposite so the more I remembered it the better I felt not the worst to go back to what you said about religion I guess it's the resurrection story isn't it you know Jesus died and his followers felt closer to him in death because he was there for everyone mm. in death. Hmm? Yeah, you know, that's basically, isn't it? You know, when he died, he said, I can be with you all now in a way that I could never, in a more fully present way, you know, in every moment, I can be in your every heartbeat, in your every breath now. Whereas in, in, when you're in your bodily form, you're limited, aren't you, by time and 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 uh you know the material for how much you can merge with someone in death the merging the union is complete that that person never leaves you yeah oh dear yeah, I, mean, I, I ended it on a really sort of down note I, I think that's I, I, on the contrary Teresa I think that's utterly beautiful Mm. And, you know, I've been pushing to because I mean, uh, I, you know, for my own interest and wanting to know how you deal with um, doubt and beliefs and all that sort of stuff. But when that's all placed to one side, what you've just said really resonates because it does feel like at the depths of that oneness you talked about, we enter into a communion of souls and that does... Yes feel deeper after death um so yeah I, I get i get what you're saying i really do yeah i get it and i guess a lot of what i'm trying to do is develop a reasonable narrative a story a thoughtful story which can be really pushed hard and still hold together that enables us to in incorporate those sort of intuitions into mm. how we see existence and doesn't get them exiled and dismissed anymore so that you know you're not a blonde-haired angel lady and i'm not a bald-headed crazy spiritual philosopher but <laughs> death is the biggest spiritual awakening isn't it when you have your first death of a someone it's when you for most of us it's for many people it's 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 the biggest spiritual awakening isn't it and just the mere existence. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. Plato famously said philosophy is, all of philosophy is a meditation on death. And God, that's how it feels to me. It's like, for me, that the idea that you could just go, well, who knows? It's like, well, that's a pretty big question here. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. because, well, for me, the biggest thing with it, really, is not just like my survival or the survival of my daughter and my, or my mom. That's huge. But it's actually whether life is redeemable whether you know like i've had a great life i've been so lucky you know if i die and that's it it's like well it was a great life but not everyone has some people have had awful lives and then it's like wow so is existence the sort of thing where you could just by be unlucky and have a really bad short life and, you know, I know. Child and, and it's like yeah tough that was it and it's like and then on a more comical note, the idea that you could be living through this incredible fucking thing where we're conscious and you have dreams and the infinite universe and the stars and quantum physics, everything. And at the end of which, 
there's no debriefing, nothing. It's just like, well, that's done. <laughs> it's just like, fuck, you know, like, well, gone. <laughs> it's like, no, that can't be real, can it? That's just. There too... has to be a bigger picture for me. That's too insane. It's yeah, too insane. The underside of the tapestry all knots and loose ends, but at one point, the you see the bigger picture when you turn over and see the, you know, and, you know why bad things happen. Why yeah. kids have to die, get cancer. Yeah, so that it's looking for that redemp that re that, that redemptive quality, which my spiritual intuition says is there. Now that can yeah. be me being deluded, but probably it doesn't feel like <laughs> it. Could be, yeah. I, I have made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you that's why you're honest enough to admit them, at least, you know, as I say, that you know, there is in, in this movement when you write about this, people want certainty all the time. And yet in that moment. But every book, I guess you write, is a moment in time. That's right. You need to understand that, that time flows on. Exactly right. Changes, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's good. Mm. I think so. Right, and now the time has flown on. And <laughs> here we are. Uh, what a delight. Thank you so much for sharing yourself. Oh, I just lost you then. At the, right at the end there, we just had a, yeah. we had a glitch. Yeah. Yes. Your connection is unstable. There we are. That's the, the spirit world trying to... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to disappear now. And, uh, I just want to say thank you to Richard Cox for connecting me to you, because, you know... He, yeah, yeah, that's right. Dear, lovely Richard. Isn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> lovely man. So, we'll speak again. And... Um, you will, Tim, on my podcast. Well. Okay. <laughs> and thank you for all you do. Thank you. And likewise. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.